Cahen is sponsored in part by Soulcraft Brewing, Salida's hometown brewery, offering a large selection of traditional and seasonal craft beers. Their spacious patio features cozy fire pit tables for outdoor warmth on chilly days. Fresh food is served daily at the Soul Shack food truck, featuring snacks like wings and pretzels, and full meals like sandwiches, burgers, and a delicious brunch on Sunday. Soulcraft is open daily for happy hour, lunch, and dinner. Cahan is supported in part by Hilltop Broadband. Hilltop Broadband for residential and business wireless internet service. Servicing Salida and Poncha Springs in Chaffee County, as well as areas in Fremont County, Custer County, and more. To experience the Hilltop difference and request new customer information, email info at hilltop-broadband.com or call toll-free 877-783-2889. Breaking news, friends. Forrest Whitman here from On the Rails at KN 106.9 FM. We have received news here in the caboose from Jim Sobey, who is the chairman of the Colorado Rail Board, who is also the president of Colorado Association of Railroad Passengers. And the news, the breaking news, is that next week we will see, or we expect to see, the beginning of a billion-dollar check, a check for $1 billion coming from the federal government to rebuild the rails here in Colorado. And um, that's pretty exciting news. We're going to have Jim Sobey on this show next week one day. Very likely uh, that will be Sunday morning at 9 or that will be Wednesday at 11 for On the Rails and find out what are we going to do in Colorado with a billion dollars. So uh, that's the news from Mike Caboose. See you at On the Rails, 106.9 FM. Good morning, good friends of railroading everywhere. <clears throat> we want to welcome you to another segment of On the Rails with me, your host, Forrest Whitman. We have in the cabin this morning, uh, Rick White, being the engineer, and he's pulling along my caboose. We want to welcome all of our listeners to the old caboose. It's uh, still kind of chilly, so you want to you want to put your feet up there next to the next to the coal stove. There's 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 some nice glowing coals really in the coal stove. Or if you're daring, you can go and sit up on top in the in the angel's seat. And look out as we pull the old caboose through the frozen, looks like the frozen prairie out there today. Anyway, we have a very special guest in the caboose today, and that's Spencer Dodge. Now, Spencer Dodge is not just any rail fan. He is in charge. <laughs> I, I see him laughing. He's, he's <laughs> or trying to herd the chickens around. <laughs> Now he's really laughing. He's, he's trying to coordinate. Let's use the right verb. He's trying to, or he is coordinating the many, many interests that come together in what used to be the Colorado Rail Board and now has a new name. It's now called the Colorado Front Range 
Spencer, good morning. Welcome. Do you want to say any words before we try to figure out your title? <laughs> Thank you, Forrest, for those kind words. Um, yeah, as you mentioned, I'm kind of uh, in a central role here as liaison for the it's the Southwest Chief and Front Range Passenger Rail Commission. So um, it's not just Front Range Passenger Rail we're focused on, also um, you know ensuring that continued service for the Southwest Chief Line um, down in southeastern Colorado. So um, as you mentioned, my role is actually I think technically the title is liaison, um, and so I work between uh, the Rail Commission and CDOT and all of our public stakeholders um, up and down the Front Range to really try to keep this project on track. Well, it, it's a huge project, and uh, it, it's, it has a, a lot of bipartisan support in the Colorado legislature. As you know, we, uh, we've had a couple of legislators, Colorado legislators, uh, on this show. And boy, they, they, uh, they feel like, at least, that out there in Colorado, there's a lot of support for passenger rail. And a lot of people would be, especially on snowy days like today with all this snow, they, they, they would much rather be um, riding a train than trying to, trying to drive their vehicle through the, through the, uh, through the snow. Mm -hmm. And so there is that out there. And um, years ago, we had uh, something called the Rocky Mountain Rail Authority. Now, Spencer, do you remember that? That was maybe before your time, I think. That was just a bit before my time, yes. But uh, I have um, I have read up on the Rocky Mountain Rail Authority studies that they've done, um, and so I'm, I'm generally aware of the work that they were able to accomplish at the time. Well, yeah, I was on the board of that group, and um, we did a lot of studies that showed two or three things. One, there's there's a tsunami of citizens coming, and this that tsunami is is headed east. And it's headed south, and so if we're going to really try to serve these these areas like, uh, you know, Canyon City areas like Pueblo, uh, Salida, and so on, uh, there's there's going to have to be some some passenger rail to 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 serve this. And I, when I say tsunami, <clears throat> I mean that that's that's sort of. Uh, exaggerating somewhat, but not a lot. The, the demographics are really changing. And uh, these areas that were kind of sleepy little towns are exploding, really, really. And housing prices are going up and so on and so on. So, so those studies that we did way back then uh, on, the, on the commission was really showed that um, Really showed that we could be at a point where we couldn't, we couldn't anymore use I seventy, because I seventy would be virtually unusable. Now I don't know that we've reached that point quite yet, but um, that the two eighty five would be uh, very very tough. Uh, I twenty five South would be tough, and so one answer would be rail. Uh, several recommendations we made, and I'll, I'll throw throw Spencer. I'll just throw some of these out. I don't expect you to necessarily jump in and answer on them. One was that the Tennessee Pass line, the old DNRGW line connecting Pueblo on the east up over the Tennessee Pass down to Minern, as they always say. I always used to say Minturn. It's actually Minern <laughs> on the west. And um, that that would have to be key. And at that time, we recommended the state just go ahead and buy it. Now I know 
that 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 was really pie in the sky. But you never know. You never know. The state might want to buy that thing. Um, and so th those are some of the recommendations. But the main thing was to say we we've got to have a strategic plan for dealing with this. And I'm not sure we still have realized that we need a rail plan that's strategic. I, I don't know, you can comment on all of this, but um, when, when in our final report uh, there from the Rocky Mountain Rail Authority, we said, uh, we said, look, we've got to start dealing with this now before we are, uh, for our highways are not usable anymore. Due to due to the quote tsunami unquote of new people ah that's a lot to say in a very short time Spencer and say a little more about how what you're doing and also what's your role and how you feel about your role all that sort of thing right well I think um you know I, I just uh, to back up a couple of steps here um you know it, it was really important to us when we kicked off uh the the recently completed alternatives analysis that we don't recreate the wheel um right and so we really kind of looked into to previous studies that have been done um and, and really tried to build off of those with you know some changing existing um uh conditions that have that have adjusted since you know for example rocky mountain rail authority did theirs and so um we really tried to focus on on what's already been done um you know a lot of work has gone in into passenger rail along the state um and so we tried to try to build off of that so um, you know, your, your work was not done in vain, I suppose, is a good way of putting that. Mm. Um, additionally, uh, I just kind of wanted to add that <clears throat> I have to be a little careful about the, the specific areas I talk about. Um, you know, our rail commission is really focused on, um, first off, the Southwest Chief, you know, ensuring that service stays um, continuous, and then also front range passenger rail. Um, the state legislature really set out kind of our parameters, Fort Collins to, you know, to Boulder, to Denver, to Colorado Springs, and then down to Pueblo. Um, so we're really focused on uh, north and south travel. Um, you know, if you look between Fort Collins and Pueblo, that's 85% of, of Colorado's population. Um, and as you mentioned, uh, you know, I'm a perfect example. I've lived in Colorado for six years. Um, you know, we're seeing a younger and younger crowd move in um, and they want to buy houses. And, and if you tried to buy a house in Denver, you know, um, it's pretty expensive. And so that, that kind of spread north and south um, outward from, from Denver and the Springs and Fort Collins has really kind of exacerbated the need for, for travel options, right? Um, it's not just about uh, highways. You know, we can build highways as big as we want, um, but if you could build your way out of congestion, uh, I assure you somebody in America would have done so. Um, so, so we know that we have to have more travel options, um, different modes of travel, uh, and particularly in Colorado, when you look at the way, you know, weather can shift in an instant. Um, you know, we need to have better options for, for people who maybe aren't comfortable driving in snow or are comfortable driving in those, um, you know, really high winds between Colorado Springs and Pueblo. And so, you know, really trying to, to meet the needs of the state's population, um, not just what we think is necessary. And so uh, part of that is really working with communities. Um, you know, as, as part of my role as, as liaison is, um, you know, really uh, kind of centered around that public involvement and stakeholder engagement. Um, so for two years, uh, my former colleague, Randy Grauberger and I, you know, we've really, uh, we, we've talked with just about every group I think that you could think of who would have an interest in passenger rail along the front range corridor. Um, and really, we want to be, we want this project to be kind of um, uh, from the ground up, right? Like, we don't want a top-down approach to, to prescribing what the needs of Coloradans are. Um, we want to go to Coloradans and figure out, hey, what is it that you need? How fast do you want to go? Where do you need to go? Um, and where do you want your station to be? And so we really uh, tried to start that at a ground level um, and incorporate that into the studies that we're doing. I apologize. I had another point. And I can't read my handwriting now, so I'll have to come back to that. That, that happens to us all. Hey, back here in the caboose, you got to stay braced. And, uh, you know, the way 
the, the way we jostle around in the caboose, the handwriting is harder and harder to read. <laughs> Very yeah, good. I, I started out at an impediment too. I, my handwriting's not great. <laughs> but um, now, CDOT has a, a, a part of their mission statement does include rail, uh, and uh, certainly part of the the political side of the thing in, includes that. And so, um, how do we how do we read that? I mean, if if the feds send us, well, if the feds load up a boxcar full of thousand dollar bills and ship it to Denver and say, all right, you guys, here it is. How, how do we spend that? How do we spend that money? What uh, and, and what and what does Amtrak want to do with that money? I mean, those are important questions. It is. So. Um, I think a distinction there is, is there's two different kind of pots of federal money that we're looking at right now. One is through the USDOT. Um, you know, they, they're looking at setting aside some, uh, some funding for specifically for infrastructure improvements um, on the freight lines and the passenger lines. Um, and then that second pot is Amtrak money, which is it's all federal money, right? But it's just who it, who it comes from. Um, and, you know, we've been working with Amtrak for a couple of years now. Uh, they, they are a member of our commission um, in a non-voting capacity. Um, and so we've kept them on board uh, as, as long as possible um, and really worked with them to kind of develop, um, you know, work alongside them to develop their plans as well as ours. Um, you know, Amtrak has a really big interest in kind of developing these uh, new corridors throughout the country that are um, a little smaller than the long distance lines. Um, you know, they've, they really kind of highlighted four of those corridors. Um, you know, we were included as one. Uh, the Texas Triangle, I think, is one. Um, that Atlanta to Nashville uh, services is being proposed as well. Um, and I think maybe Ohio is the fourth one. And so they've really kind of tagged those as, hey, this is where we want to put some money. We want to develop these corridors um, and other areas throughout the country um, that, that aren't just uh, served by those long distance trains. And so it's really creating new city pairs for those long distance services, um, reaching new markets and, and targeting markets really that are growing very, very quickly. So, you know, really if what we've tried to do is, is position ourselves um, to kind of be the, the lead dogs in that race, right? Um, you know, we've known for well over a year now that Amtrak wants money, uh, the, the Department of Transportation wants lots of money to develop passenger rail. Um, and so we've really tried to stay ahead of um, that kind of planning process so that if money does become available, we can say, hey, look, we've done our, we've done our homework, um, we're ready to go. Um, we just need a little bit of funding for NEPA uh, to do that full blown environmental review. Um, and then, and then we're good to go with with whatever steps are necessary, be that infrastructure improvements or, or service, uh, introducing service itself. Um, but really, just trying to make sure that we're we're ready for that in the event that that money becomes available. And what are the, uh, what's the likelihood of this? Uh, you know, Representative uh, Garcia, uh, you you've probably been in touch with him somewhat. We we we've got to get him on the show sometime soon. He he has talked a lot about uh, the idea of a, a what a front range metropolitan rail development um, commission of some kind and uh, now uh, with with significant buy-in from from everybody from Pueblo on uh, on north and I um, I mean that sounds ambitious and yet it you know, Back to the tsunami of people, I mean, I think, I think we're probably going to need something like that. What um, now? What what will the what will your commission will your commission be able to jump in on that? Do you think? Or yeah. So um, 
I can actually give you a, a lot more details on that. Um, so Senate President Leroy Garcia from down in Pueblo, um, on Friday, he, along with bipartisan um, sponsors, um, both the, the representatives and, and Senate side of things um, at the state legislature, they introduced the Front Range Passenger Rail District um, bill. Uh, and so what that bill would do is uh, it would actually convert our rail commission into uh, the Front Range Passenger Rail District. Um, that district then has um, has a little more teeth uh, than the rail commission currently has. And so it gives them the ability uh, to kind of take this one step further, um, particularly when we talk about funding. You know, that's always the first question is, well, how are you going to pay for it? Um, you know, we know we can't do this uh, with you know, just state money. We can't do this with just federal money. Um, so we're going to have to have some kind of mixture of that. And, and what this bill will do is allow um, it will allow that district to, to go to a ballot um, if necessary um, at whatever level of, of sales tax would be uh, required. Um, and so it gives that kind of authority, uh, it kind of elevates the rail commission just a little bit to, to do some more of these um, actions that are gonna be necessary. And so eventually, um, and in my dreams, when I, when I think about the, the perfect success over the next five years, um, that looks like, you know, this district uh, is, able to, um, is able to fund, is able to operate, is able to construct um, passenger rail uh, along those alignments that we've been looking at through the rail commission. So it's just kind of a, uh, another iteration of the rail commission where you know, we've yeah. got a little more teeth uh, to do the work that we really need to do. How much money will the feds possibly put into something like this uh, all the way from Wyoming to, to Pueblo line? What, what, so what think, might we look at? Yeah, ta talking with the Amtrak folks, um, and that's kind of the, the most obvious one to go to first, um, besides USDOT. Uh, you know, they're, they're talking about numbers in the billions of dollars. Um, at the end of last billions year, with a B. yes, billions with a B, correct. Uh, at the end of last year, um, in the U.S. House, House of Representatives, uh, the Invest in America Act, uh, they passed that and it included um, $25 billion for, for new corridor development. I think it's a, a network modernization. I don't remember the exact term, but anyway, it was money for Amtrak to develop new corridors, um, such as Front Range Passenger Rail. Uh, in our Amtrak, um, our friends at Amtrak were talking about, you know, $2.1 billion, just kind of back of the napkin, um, you know, hey, this is what we think we could be able to provide. And so when you're talking about that kind of money, and, and the numbers have gone up, right, with the uh, um, American Jobs Plan uh, and, and Amtrak's new uh, uh, service transportation reauthorization request, um, that those numbers have gone up, um, the total numbers. And so I think that it's uh, not unrealistic. Of course, all of this is in the hypotheticals. None of this money is guaranteed yet. It hasn't passed. Um, so I don't think it's unrealistic to think, hey, you know, we could be in line for, you know, $2 billion, maybe 3 or $4 billion. Um, and when you look at that, that's a, that's a lot of money to leave on the table, right, um, as a state. And so we really, really want to make sure that as a, as, a, as a statewide community, you know, we're ready for that. Um, we can provide, uh, if necessary, matching funds for that um, and say, hey, you know, we're invested in this just as much as you are federal government. We uh, had as a guest on the show at one point a representative of the Utah Passenger Group. Now, they have a strategic plan. And it might be that it's time for us to have a strategic plan. And what your strategic, say that word, strategic plan does is it, it, you, you have your, your battle line set up, so to speak, so that when the money starts to percolate or however money gets, to, gets going there in D.C., that you've got your Congress people in line, you've got your lobbyists in line, you just 
bang, you move in. And um, I, I mean, I'm, I don't get the sense that we're, I'm not criticizing. I'm just saying, I don't get the sense that we have a, a strategic plan to, yeah. to do that. It's a, it's a good thought. I think um, as far as planning goes, uh, and these may need to be coordinated. We have several different plans, right? Like, so we have for the state of Colorado, there's a freight and passenger rail plan that um, I believe is uh, going to be updated. It goes in cycles, right? I think every 10 years is when it needs to be updated. Yeah. And I think next year is when that's due um, to be refreshed. And so uh, there's that kind of uh, strategic planning effort. Um, and then for the rail commission, you know, we've got a strategic work plan. Um, right now, we, we were able to successfully apply and acquire um, two different federal railroad administration grants that are really going, when you look at the work needed to be done, we still have a few boxes to check off as far as developing a, a service plan um, and, and kind of finalizing some of those pre-NEPA um, actions before we actually initiate, um, whether it's an environmental impact statement or environmental assessment, whatever that NEPA process is. Um, so we, we've got the money and the plan to do that. Um, and then from there, we've kind of planned out, hey, we'll, we'll need to do NEPA, and then we'll need to actually implement the service um, when the time comes. And so we're doing that very technical work plan uh, also with the Rail Commission work plan. Um, and part of that is in action right now. Uh, and, and to be honest with you, it's a bit of a, a gray area at the moment, given that we've got legislation running um, down, down under the gold dome at the Capitol. Um, you know, there's a lot of federal uh, legislation that's going through. And so I think right now where we're at is um, we just kind of have to see where the dust settles um, and then get a better idea of where we are um, specifically. Uh, and, and then that way we can move forward maybe with a little bit more strategic idea of um, kind of how we want to engage with the federal government. Um, but, but right now there's just so much unknown that we, we, we're not really quite sure how to, how to plan for the unknown, right? There's a lot of um, unknown unknowns and there's known unknowns and <laughs> unknown knowns. And so that's how uh -huh. I try to think about things when we talk about planning. It's like, there's the unknown unknowns, like, right? Like, you know, in two years, Amtrak could have a new program that we don't even know is a thing yet. So well, really trying to stay nimble and flexible for those. And we don't want to be too prescriptive with our... Uh, well, especially the, the, the known unknowns. Back here in the caboose, it's that way. We, we hear that... We hear that slag or Rutland and we went, well, what's going to happen next? And, uh, but something will happen. That, that's so exciting that mm -hmm. something will happen because uh, I know the Southwest Chief, of course, is the center of uh, some interesting points of view. One, a lot of seniors groups and you're, there are people in this caboose uh -huh, who are soon to turn 80. I, won't, I don't know who they are. They must be out on the back platform. But... <laughs> Certainly a lot of the seniors groups are very concerned that the chief continue to serve uh, small towns mm -hmm. as they do now, like especially Trinidad and some of those, but very concerned that the Amtrak management sort of doesn't get that um, seniors and those, in, those people who are somewhat incapacitated, but not a lot, and that's the wrong word I wanna say, somewhat challenged, but not a lot, we'll, we'll have a, some reasonable fair options and some possibilities to, to, use, the, to use the rails. And uh, I, I, I don't know if that's even, a, that's sort of an outlier topic. And yet, and yet there it is, it keeps, keeps coming up. Yeah, I think that's a that's a key point here. Um, you know, when we talk about demographic changes in Colorado, a lot of the conversation immediately goes to um, kind of the, the, the young educated uh, class of folks who are moving in from be it New York or Texas or California. Um, but there's another big demographic shift that, that, we're, that we're focusing on. 
Um, and that's as the as our wonderful baby boomers are growing older, they don't want to drive as much anymore, um, and particularly along I-25 and, and to get across the country. And so what we've really tried to focus on, particularly with the Southwest Chief, um, is that, you know, connecting that Southwest Chief, if you look at a, a national map of um, Amtrak's long distance service, you know, we really want to work to connect that Southwest Chief with the California Zephyr. Um, that's, those are the two lines that kind of cut it across the middle of America and it will really increase the number of city pairs, um, really increase the, the places you can get to without flying or without driving. Um, and so as we look at kind of this demographic shift where some of our some of our neighbors are getting a little older and a little less inclined to you know drive six, seven, eight hours, um, you know, we really want to highlight that hey, there's another option out here. We want to provide another option for folks to travel in different ways. Yeah. Yeah, and that's and that's a, a, a really politically speaking important because some of these groups some of these senior groups can they can get nasty tough old seniors kind of jumping in there and yeah let's let's think of that amtrak management sim well it's hard to know what they're going to do they're awfully inclined this year to still see anything you sleep in as uh, a real cash cow and uh, and and in the back of their minds they still think They'll break even someday. And then we have to keep reminding them, no, you're just like the post office. You're, you're never, you're probably never going to break even. That doesn't matter if you do fine. But the point is that you're, you're a service and um, kind of getting that shift. I, I suppose you talk with medium level Amtrak people a lot about those mm -hmm. issues. It's true. Yeah. On, um, I think a, a key point here is that, you know, we've got a lot of interest from kind of those, the middle management of Amtrak, but on Monday we held a, uh, uh, what do they call it, a media round table. Um, and that was with, uh, with Bill Flynn and Stephen Gardner who are, um, you know, respectively the CEO and, and president. So, you know, we've got a lot of attention um, from up and down and, and we're in communication with them. And so we can really pass these messages along um, the more we hear them. Uh, you know, the more everybody on your show and, and throughout Colorado stays engaged with me and, and our group, the more we can really take those needs, as I said, we really want to focus on the needs of Coloradans throughout the, the front range, and we can take those to the people we need to. Boy. Well, uh, the engineer tells us that we've got a yellow signal, a yellow signal ahead, and before long, he's going to kick our caboose off onto a sidetrack here, so we can still keep the, we can still keep the fire going in the old coal stove there, and uh, maybe start cooking our bacon if we're going to have some <laughs> breakfast here. So we're gonna to have to take a little break. And uh, while we take that break, we always give a good highball so we know that that we want, so we wake up that engineer. I think he's awake up there. Yeah, hey, Rick, Rick looks. I'm here. You're awake, Rick. You're awake. All right, do highball. One, two, three, and a highball. One, two, three, highball. Highball. Highball, Spencer, highball. Highball. Cahan is supported in part by Little Red Hen Bakery, located at 302 G Street in downtown Salida. Little Red Hen specializes in hometown fresh-baked bread, bagels, and treats, all made with organic and local ingredients. A full menu, including the wood-fired oven schedule and daily specials, can be found on their Facebook page at Little Red Hen Salida. 
K-Hen, and Little Red Hen, just two hometown chickens working to keep Salida, Salida.